Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mitten Politics, where change is political. My name is Ian Duncanson, and I'm your host for the series. Uh, today, we're going to talk with Sky Uiki and Krisha Romani about uh, Vote 16, which is really about lowering the voting age in Michigan. It involves a lot of uh, communication between people who live in Michigan to understand the purpose of this. And they're really focused on uh, local and municipal uh, thinking about like school board elections, city commissioners, et cetera. And so this is not uh, at, at the current level looking at large scale elections like federal government, et cetera. But when you think about it, I really want you to think how informed do you think the current average over 18 voter is? And then really reflect on that when you think about our 16-year-olds prepare to vote. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot that we uh, take into consideration without really thinking deeper about it. I think it's important for us to think about uh, sometimes the arbitrary ages that we have set as the default for when you can do X, when you can do Y. Let's, let's contemplate, is, is this something that we personally know to be scientifically or factually reasonable? Or is this something that we just think because this is how we were raised, this is what we were told, this is what we were ingrained to think about? And, and really, that I mean, that goes to a larger discussion when you think about politics at large. And with that, I will climb off my soapbox and go ahead and slide us into this episode. Thank you. All right. Today, I'm here with Sky and Krisha from Vote 16 Michigan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, let's, I guess let's start out by just, if you want to share a little bit, uh, one of you, and then I can hear if the other wants to add anything about what Vote 16 Michigan is. Yeah. So we're an organization run by 16 and 17 year olds across Michigan. We have about 40 volunteers from all over the state, um, from Rochester to Detroit to Muskegon. And we're working to lower the voting age in those nonpartisan municipal and school board elections. Um, according to the intent of our bill. Awesome. Did you want to add anything to that, Sky? No, 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 because you explained it perfectly. Awesome. Um, so uh, essentially, it sounds like, you know, you said nonpartisan. So looking at local elections, things like school board, uh, city, city commissions, things like that, um, where decisions are made locally that, of course, affect those who live within the community. Um, and 40, 40 volunteers, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's a, good, uh, a good movement to be working with. Um, so I know I, I actually heard about you guys on Instagram. Uh, I you know, started this podcast and started hearing about different groups. Um, and then Lauren, who's the chair of our Democratic Club, also became aware about, about you all. And so we were really glad to be able to have you come speak to our club. I know there's also a national organization. Um, how, how does your organization fit in with that, um, that larger movement? Yeah, for sure. So Vote 16 USA is a national organization based in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's run by uh, a nonprofit called Generation Citizen. 
Um, and they basically provide resources uh, to Vote 16 chapters across the nation um, and advance and advocate for the issue on the national level. Uh, when myself and Krisha, we started Vote 16 Michigan, um, Vote 16 USA connected us with a couple other 16, 17 year olds um, from around the nation. Uh, I think we talked to someone in Honolulu, Chicago, um, someone in Wyoming, um, and they just uh, you know started to help us out um, and got us started by talking to uh, other people who had done similar measures like this. Um, so that's how kind of, we're, we're, we're sort of a chapter. Um, we're all run by 16, 17 year olds, including Vote 16 USA. Um, but yes, it's a completely um, 16, 17 year old run organization. Wow, that's really awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so it sounds like then the, the Vote 16 USA, even though it is kind of a national organization, it's more so working with individual groups in different states to help support them and the state-led efforts for those local elections. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And there's a youth advisory board um, for Vote 16 USA. And basically, um, they help out uh, with the chapters across the nation, you know, give them resources when they need it, give them advice, give them a promotion uh, on, on social media and stuff like that. And that's kind of what Vote 16 USA is. Awesome. So um, I'll ask this kind of to each of you to share a little, a little of your story. We'll start with Krisha, kind of how you got involved with Vote 16 and why this is something that's, that's important to you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the story starts with Sky because he he called yeah. me um, right, I think right after his 16th birthday. He was at Target. I still remember this. And he was like, what if we could vote? And I was like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'll let Sky <laughs> yeah. tell, tell like how we got to that point. But really how I joined was that phone call. Um, and from that, it piqued my interest. And I've always been pretty... Um, politically aware and I've always been interested in politics but you know that phone call that he made to me made me aware of the issue of voting at 16 and you know I did some research we called and talked about it and then we really just got in contact with Vote 16 USA and just took it from there yeah um kind of to add on to that like basically it was my 16th birthday um, and I was trying to find things that I could legally do at 16. And it was like some like crazy stuff. Like you can apply for like a pilot's license. Uh, you can get married. Um, obviously you can work and stuff, but I was trying to find like something crazy like I could do on my 16th birthday because it was legal now. Um, and eventually I came across this article that was like countries where 16 year olds can vote. And at first I read that and I was like, that's insane. There's no 16 year olds. What, what are you talking about? Um, but the more I did research, I got like stuck in this like rabbit hole of like research and information and case studies in other countries where 16 year olds can vote. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, hey, you know, I am impacted by uh, uh, local decisions. I, I, I do have the knowledge to vote. Um, and so I called Krishet and I was like, hey, what if we could lower the voting age to 16 in Novi, which is where we both live and go to high school together. Um, and obviously Krishet was the first person I thought of when I thought of starting this um, because she's so amazing at organizing and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how we got started. And she, the first time I called her, like I was in Target and she kind of looked at me, she was like, you're, you're, you're crazy. And then like, she thought about it. I saw her thinking about it and she was like, huh, wait, that kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's where we started. And then we did a bunch of research um, into the topic and we kind of came down with a couple of main points and a couple of reasons and we decided we need to do this um so yeah that's where we started 
That's so awesome. Um, yeah, there's there are a limited number of new things you can do at 16, and voting is definitely a worthwhile thing to to fight for. Um, so is, is your group then in Novi kind of like Vote 16 Michigan didn't have there, it didn't exist, there wasn't a presence in Michigan before you kind of got things up and running, connected with the national organization, and then started getting volunteers in different areas. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Sky and I originally wanted to just lower the voting age, work with Novi um, to lower the voting age locally, but we found out that the state election code doesn't actually allow municipal um, city councils like we have in Novi to lower their voting age. So we really had to start on the state level. And that's kind of where Vote 16 Michigan was born. Yeah, exactly. Um, because of the way the election code is written, you know, we have to work on the state level, like Krisha said. Um, and then once we give uh, local towns, municipalities, school board uh, governing bodies the power to lower this, then we can go back to Nova and say, hey, you know, it's legal now. Let's do this and let's get this done. And, you know, work with other cities that and school boards that want to do that. So, yeah, that's that's why we're working on the state level. But we have volunteers from all over. We have some in Detroit, uh, Rochester, even up in Muskegon. Um, yeah, we have volunteers all across Michigan now. It's it did, but it just did start with Krisha and I um, in Novi. Yeah, that's that's really awesome, and I think that's a, a good distinction. Is that because um, a lot? I don't think a lot of people would understand that that it has to be changed on the state level um, through. Um, is it actually a constitutional amendment that would be required, or is it something that can be done? just with majority votes. Yeah, so it's actually, there's an interesting story there. Um, the Michigan's constitution still says you have to be 21 to vote, um, but the way that it's written, it's a grant. So it says people who are the age of 21 have the right to vote or something like that, um, which Supreme Court president has ruled that that doesn't restrict people from under the age of 21 from also having the right to vote. Uh, but the actual Michigan election uh, code or, or law, um, says 18 is written as a restriction then. Um, so what that would mean in, in practice is that when we go to change our city charter, when we go to change the uh, rules for voting for school board, we would be in violation of, of the Michigan law, which there's another home rule, it's called home rule, in, uh, and you can basically no city charter can go against any general law of, the, of Michigan. And since it's written as a restriction that you have to be 18 to vote, if we change it to 16, you know, we could lose city funding, um, you know, there'd just be lawsuits and the attorney general saying like, you can't do this. Um, so that's why we have to give them the power um, to be able to lower it on a case by case basis um, first. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. Um... Yeah, that, and then that makes sense because not necessarily every locality is going mm -hmm. to want to, exactly. um, to do that, but I think it also gives incentive. I mean, in a certain way, it gives incentive for people to get active enough to get it passed in their localities, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, the whole idea here is being civically engaged, and that's right. a great way, knowing that you have the opportunity to do that. Exactly. Um, we want this all to be um, 16, 17-year-old led. Uh, we just want to pass a supplemental uh, uh, section to the election law that would allow, you know, the, the 16, 17 year olds working on the local level uh, to pass it. Like, you know, we just want to get <laughs> the, the voting age changed in Novi for our council elections. You know, um, that's truly what we're, we're, we're at heart. <laughs> um, but, you know, we have to 
work on the state level first and then give that opportunity, like you said, um, to 16, 17 year olds across Michigan um, to work with their local government to fix that. That's awesome. Um, so why um, kind of in, in, to the best of your knowledge and your opinion, um, we'll start with Krisha again here. Um, why do you think that 16 year olds should be able to vote? Yeah, so as Sky mentioned earlier, there are really three main reasons we boiled it down to. Um, first of all, at the end of the day, um, we're affected by those local decisions every single day. Um, I like to bring up school board elections because they're so prevalent to us because um, we don't get a sway in those school board elections until we actually leave school. And that really doesn't make any sense if you think about it, right? The decisions that school board elected officials are making on a daily basis affect us directly. Um, and at the end of the day, legislators have a different obligation to us if we were um, constituents or if we're simply um, living in their, in their district. So at the end of the day, um, we're affected by those local issues. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and another thing that really got us started was looking at the turnout rates for those local elections. I know where we live, um, it was close to 20, 25% consistently uh, of registered voters, uh, right? Um, and that's just not how democracy should work. You know, a 20% deciding uh, the, the future for an entire community isn't how democracy is supposed to work. Um, and so we need bold and, and rigorous ideas uh, to fix that. And, and lowering the voting age of 16 in those local elections uh, would give that. You know, if we do that, uh, by the time they graduate high school, they voted uh, once um, in local elections. And, and it, research has shown that voting is a habit and we need to encourage that habit if we don't wanna see numbers like 20% uh, turnout rates in our elections. Um, and so uh, research has also shown that voting in, in your one election will increase the probability that you're going to vote in the next election by 25%. And at 18 years old, you know, you, there's a lot going on. You might be moving to a new state. You might, might be moving uh, out of your parents' house. You might be, um, you know, starting a whole new life. And that's just not a great time to pick up a new habit. Um, and so if we can get one election cycle by the time uh, they graduate high school, 16 and 17 year olds will build that habit for life about how about being an educated, uh, consistent voter for the rest of their life. And research has shown that if you don't vote in your first election, like most 18 year olds don't, um, likely it'll be that you will be a lifelong non-voter. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, our democracy doesn't work when people don't vote. And, and that's another large reason why we wanna lower the voting age to 16. Yeah, I think that's really well put. I think, um... When you think about the infrastructure for getting people registered to vote, uh, that's also easier when you're thinking about, you know, just going to high schools and getting getting people registered to vote who are 16 and up all in one place. They also have resources at their disposal to learn about things and local elections are much more frequent than federal elections. So local elections, in most cases, there's there's at least something every year that is a local election, um, if not every two years. So it guarantees that within that window, you're gonna have the opportunity to, to vote. 
um, talk to people about, you know, what's going on, inform yourself. And also, I mean, right now in Royal Oak, we're, our city commissioners are petitioning and they're getting ready to start canvassing and things like that. And why not allow them to also engage with 16 and 17 year olds who are informed, um, you know, as well as, like you said, school board. School board is probably the one that is the easiest to connect in terms of the influence it has on students. And I think it's a shame that, you know, especially, and we'll talk more about with COVID and everything, but I think it's a, uh, a, just a shame that um, 16 and 17 year olds haven't been able to put their voices into the mix in, you know, an official way by voting um, when it comes to, you know, the decisions that the school board is making. And so I think that, that would have a tremendous impact as well. And I think you're right. I think 18 when I, you know, I, I was a little bit old for my age, so I was still in high school at 18 for a little while, but um, that is a very, can be a very transitional period. You know, if you're going away to college and then you've got to register to vote in a new city, uh, you know, potentially living in a dorm and things like that as well. It is, it does create additional barriers unless you're a gung-ho uh, politics nerd like I am. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, something you said just a second ago made me think of of it but another large point why we want to do this is because it would force uh schools and communities to put an even more emphasized uh pressure on civics education you know um i think our michigan civics education curriculum is great but it could be better right and allowing 16 17 local elections would force school districts um to really re-examine their civics uh, uh, education and to encourage schools to teach more civics uh, and that of a higher quality if, if given its immediate um, implications on students lives um, and allowing young people to vote while they're learning about government uh, the roles and citizens um, in high school and civics courses captures the full uh, potential of civics education right I had a former you know civics teacher come up to me and say I love what you're doing Sky because I you know research um, for teachers have shown that when a subject directly correlates to something outside of the classroom when they go learn something and then after school they go apply it uh, that uh, it retains so much better than learning about something uh, that's not going to affect you and that's another big thing right like I know 16 yeah. 17 year olds my age who are like um, I understand politics I know it and I, I keep up with it but I don't care because I can't vote. Can't do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I can't do anything about it, which is untrue. There's always a way, you know, you could start a whole youth run organization. <laughs> right. um, but that's a big thing, right? Like they're ready to vote. Um, they just don't feel like it because they can't. Um, they don't, you know, so and that's another big thing um, is that civics education part of it, learning something in the classroom and then immediately applying it um, outside the class is going to hold that civics education for life. Yeah, I think that's really relevant. Uh, my full-time job is as a financial educator. So I do a lot of teaching about budgeting and building credit and things like that. And, um, you know, all of the data shows that these lessons are most effective at the point in people's lives where they're about to make decisions that are affected by this, those, you know, that knowledge. So if I'm teaching people about credit and I'm teaching them about credit, um, you know, when they're 14. We do, we do have financial presentations and things that we do for people that are at that age, but typically not something like credit for someone who's like 
you know, 14 or 13, things like that, because they're not going to be dealing with building credit for several years. Whereas when you look at, uh, you know, someone who's 16, 17, 18, those are the years where people maybe are getting youth credit cards to start building credit with their parents um, or their guardians assistance. Um, or, you know, as the closer they get to 18, they're then going to be going out into the world and, you know, applying for that car loan and getting a credit card and making those financial choices. And I think that the same, that same uh, logic can be applied to voting, just like you kind of detailed, that we teach about government and civics in, in high school, and then you don't really get to do anything with it because you're not 18 yet. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you what I learned about in my government class. I remember learning the three branches of government and knowing what they are, but that knowledge, there was a gap between when I learned it and when I applied it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I saw something the other day that showed like, you know, a lot, like, I think it was like 30 or 40% of Americans can't name all three branches of government. <laughs> uh, I can't, I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, I mean, research has shown us, um, and I, I kind of want to pivot here, um, that 16, 17 year olds do indeed have the civic knowledge skills and most importantly, cognitive ability uh, to vote responsibly. Um, we just talked about a lot about civics education um, and I, I'm gonna quote a study here. Uh, this study compared the qualities uh, associated with voting such as civic knowledge, political skills and political interest uh, among citizens 18 and older uh, and citizens below 18 um, and found no significant difference between 16 year olds and those above age 18. So there wasn't any large difference um, in the the knowledge uh, and or preparation that 16 the cognitive skills, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and you know even more importantly, that is that voting relies on part of the brain called cold cognition. And psychologists uh, can explain this better than I can. But basically, there's hot cognition and there's cold cognition. It's true that hot cognition, which is a kind of emotional in, in like in the moment split decisions um, that, that are very emotional, those are not fully developed in teen, uh, 16, 17 year olds until uh, 20 or 25 or even later. That hot cognition part of it, that's not developed. That, that has been uh, shown to be uh, true. Meanwhile, cold cognition, which is the long thought out uh, um, kind of sit down decisions like voting, um, that is fully developed by 16 uh, and will not develop anymore over time. So 16 year olds in, uh, in, 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 uh, that have cold cognition is not any different than a 40 year old that has cold cognition or an 80 year old. Um, and there's another question we get a lot is that, you know, what's next? If you say 16 year olds can vote, why not 14? Why not 13? Why not eight years old? And that's one of the big things is because there's a large difference in cold cognition uh, between 15 uh, and 16 year olds. That's one of the main reasons. Also, you know, 16 year olds, like we said in Michigan can work with very uh, small limitations on, on their work hours. They can drive, they do lots of other things and participate in their local economy. And yeah, um, and they're paying taxes, you know, if they're exactly. working and things like that, um, they are contributing taxes. So exactly. Yeah. And I, and, and I want to make that clear that like, that's partially why uh, we don't lower it past uh, lower than 16 is because of that cold cognition research just shows is fully developed by 16. It won't get better while you're older, but until you're 16, um, it's not all the way there yet. But at 16, it is completely there. Yeah, um, I and. I think that 
one of the common common arguments, even when I've talked to other people about this, and um, there were a couple questions about this, even when you presented to to our Dem Club, um, is this idea that you know I, I like how you laid it out, but there's this this perception that at 16 you're not going to be able to make an informed decision, you're not going to um, be able to decide for yourself. It's going to be uh, you know reliant on uh, misinformation or limited information, low information, et cetera. And I mean, as, as evidenced, and this is my personal opinion, so you're not buying into this, but um, at, at getting Donald Trump, Trump elected uh, involved a heck of a lot of misinformation and voter persuasion. And that wasn't 16 and 17 year olds that caused that. Um, and and I so I don't want to get too deep into partisan because the I know the the vote 16 is a nonpartisan issue, which we'll talk more about. But um, I think that there's a lot of on any any side of of the partisan aisle. I think there's a lot of misinformed, uninformed, easily persuadable um, talking point ridden voters. And so I think that to say that 16 year olds are somehow going to be less able to uh, distinguish between fact and fiction when they're in the middle of their education, submitting exactly. assignments, taking civics courses, um, not to mention, of course, you're also looking again at local and municipal elections. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, just think that's, sure. that's worth pointing out that that Definitely. that argument doesn't hold water for me. Exactly. And there are studies to prove that too. I, I want to first point out that, you know, it is, you know, while you're getting that civic education course, um, you know, that that re-strengthening, that, that uh, forced refocus on civics education will likely combat that. Um, but I also wanted to point out that Austria lowered their voting age to 16 um, in 2013, I think. And, and they've done a lot of studies there. Um, but um, or 2007 that Austria lowered the voting age, uh, but the, the, all the research concluded that the voting choices that were made by 16 and 17 year olds were just uh, as consistent with their political preferences as older vo voters choices, which basically means like they voted responsibly, they voted knowing who they were voting for and what they were voting for, and it was consistent with their political views because they had done the research um, and they were just as, as accurate um, as older voters. Um, there's also uh, research in um, Scotland, where 16 and 17 year olds could vote in the Scottish independence referendum. Uh, another common argument we get is, you know, 16, 17 year olds are going to copy their parents' votes, right? Um, the data there suggested otherwise. The data in the Scottish independence referendum uh, showed that up to 40% of 16, 17 year olds voted differently from their parents um, and, and were strong and consistent uh, in their beliefs um, and, and made responsible voting choices. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think having hard data like that is um, is helpful and also kind of proves the point that 16 and 17 year olds have their shit together. Um, so uh, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. And because I touched on it, I do want to um, address and, and give you give you the floor. I think this it's easy for people to try and frame lowering the voting age as a partisan issue. Um, and I was hoping you could speak a little bit to why this is, um, why why it's not a partisan issue. And I, I don't see it as one, but I also know that I have my own biases. So um, yeah, what do you think? 
Yeah, definitely. Honestly, the effort to lower the voting age, it does transcend party lines because the purpose of the effort is to foster active and engaged citizens. Um, along with that, the bill that we're aiming to pass through the state legislature amends the election code to lower the voting age in nonpartisan elections. You never have to specify whether you're Democrat, Republican, independent um, on those city council, school board, and municipal elections. Um, so at the end of the day, 16-year-olds, um, according to the intent of our bill, never identify as a party um, before 18 when you're voting in a federal election. And we love to use this analogy. Um, it's kind of like getting your training wheels on your bike before you go out and actually ride your bike, right? You understand how to um, research those local um, elected officials in those local elections before you go into the booth at 16. And then you can choose your party and find your stance by the time you're 18. Right, and you still, you're still riding the bike. You're just, um, you get a little support, right? That's, that's our whole thing, right? We don't want to get, we don't want to start voting at 18 because, you know, you're, you're, there's a tornado going on while you're trying to ride your bike. Um, right. <laughs> um, and so being in a stable environment, having those training wheels um, and being in a consistent place and having a, a, a safe place to come back to um, is really what, what gains that habit of voting that it does indeed last a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, I mean, it's in Michigan, we don't, you don't register with a, an affiliated party um, as a registered voter. You don't have to be a registered Democrat or registered Republican. Um, and I think that that makes it easier when looking at this as well, because registering 16 year olds to vote won't require them to affiliate with a specific party at the time that they would be registering. And then like, like Krisha mentioned, voting for nonpartisan candidates um, in nonpartisan seats and things like that. Um, I think that it takes that whole, for me, it takes the whole partisan issue out of it. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like you would be only allowing this for, um, you know, 16 and 17 year old democratic leaning voters. Everyone who is 16 or 17 would be able to have their voice heard. Um, and so I think that it's um, it's definitely nonpartisan, and and it will be seen as a partisan issue. Have you had any um, any conversations thus far with uh, state representatives or state senators um, on either side, you know, Democrat or Republican, and and kind of what was that that correspondence like? Yeah, for sure. Um, we've talked to state representatives and senators from both sides of the aisle. Um, and, and for the most part, it's been really uh, productive and, and supportive. Uh, there was actually a bill um, in 2018, uh, Senator David Knizik at the time uh, in the Senate and Representative um, Robbie in, in the House uh, proposed similar uh, constitutional amendments to the Michigan Constitution um, to lower the voting age to 16 on the statewide level. Um, we're not, again, we're not looking to do that right now we're simply looking to give autonomy to uh, local municipalities and school boards to lower the voting age um, but it does show that Michigan is ready for this uh, and especially representatives are, are looking for there was I think 10 or more co-sponsors on each of those bills um, so we have talked to a couple of those representatives and senators and overall the response has been very very positive. Good that's good to hear that um, and and I think that's that's important to just um, an important distinction that you just made too, that, you know, that it, there has been some, some 
history of maybe looking at statewide elections and things like that, but the focus of Vote 16 Michigan at this time is, is municipal, local elections, focusing on the communities. And, and again, not just opening the floodgates, but opening the door so that uh, you know these localities can make decisions for themselves about lowering the age to 16 and allowing that. Exactly. You know, um, what affects 16, 17 year olds the most is those local elections. Um, that's why we want to start there. Vote 16 USA does focus on uh, uh, federal elections and advocates for that. Um, but we're simply asking uh, to give that autonomy um, to local governments. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so what are uh, maybe some barriers or resistance that you you have experienced either in conversations or um, like actual barriers and things like that, challenges along the way? Yeah, so nine times out of 10, it's just that voting at 16, especially at local elections, isn't an issue on the forefront of most people's minds. So it's really getting into that discussion and putting that idea out there uh, most of the time. And honestly, uh, at the end of the day, it's just about showing people how civically interested 16 and 17 year olds are, because I think it's surprising for most people and especially with Gen Z's dominance on social media, the amount of stuff we share, the amount of political Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat ads there are, I think we've really seen a rise in political activism, political engagement, especially for our generation. And I think that's surprising to people that have been around longer and haven't you know, grown up with social media and haven't grown up being politically active. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think this, that brings up kind of another point, which I think kind of was addressed by the fact that these are nonpartisan positions and things like that. But um, I think some, some concerns people might have is because uh, Gen Z tends to be so active on social media that social media could easily sway a narrative and influence um, votes without necessarily being based in fact, because we all know that there's a lot of stuff that's factually inaccurate on social media, which might be shocking to all of all of my listeners that not everything you see on, on uh, social media is true. Um, have, you, have you had any conversations about kind of the, the, that potential barrier or that potential concern people might have? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a general concern for the American public as well, not just 16, 17 year olds. Um, right. Well, we've had congressional <laughs> hearings and investigations into that. Um, but from what I can tell uh, in, my, in my personal experience, my personal life, 16, 17 year olds are a lot better at distinguishing facts from reason. Right. In fact, from fiction, um, you know, we know how to do a quick Google search and back up numbers. Um, we know how to fact check stuff and we know how to find sources um, better than, you know, my my uh, grandmother on Facebook might. Um, and I think more than that is that our teachers have started uh, recognizing that this is going to be a real issue for our generation and, and just for America right now in general. And so I've had multiple classes where we spent entire units just on distinguishing, you know, what is a real source, what is accurate, um, you know, what is biasy in, in reporting, what is biasy in in, in 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 targeted advertising and stuff like that. And I think civic education is going to play a big part in educating 16, 17 year olds, educating the next generation of voters um, to being aware of that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, and I think if you go in with a mind of scrutiny and and thinking from the get go that all right, I'm going to get on TikTok, but I know that not everything I see is going to be factually accurate, and so I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Um, maybe research it and and double check things like that. Um, I think that that does prepare people in in a way that's better. I think you're right than some older generations who they see their friend post it and then they just reshare it. Um, and I've I've gotten myself into many a social media battle by trying to pick apart facts in social media posts in the comments section. And usually people get very defensive and uh, I, I have been successful in getting people to take the post down at some point because usually, usually you get the, well, what I meant was, but, and then they leave the post up and I just feel like if, if something's factually inaccurate, um, you need to be looking at what, what information is miss, missing, what information is being intentionally left out to shape a narrative that matches something that you want people to be enraged about and things like that. But I, I do think that that type of stuff has definitely more impact when you look at uh, statewide and, and federal elections than local school board <laughs> candidates. Exactly. That. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's a big part of just media literacy in general. And that's an entirely different topic that I think can be addressed in curriculum. Um, like Sky said, we both go to Novi High School and a big part of our English curriculum in 10th grade is talking about media literacy, talking about how to distinguish a real fact or a reputable source from a disreputable source. So yeah, I think also, like you said, local elections aren't going to rely on a ton of misinformation just because of the nature of local elections. There usually isn't a ton of social media buzz around local elections, which is unfortunate, but it's how local elections are because they're small, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so I think we've covered quite a bit here. Um, I guess what has some of the the support and positive reinforcement. I know, uh, Sky, you've talked a little bit about some of your teachers, um, but outside of that and in, in working with different groups and finding volunteers, what has some of that um, support and positive reinforcement looked like for your, your experience? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk about our volunteers because they're really the reason that we get things done. I mean, I still remember our first volunteer. She's our social media manager now, but she's just been absolutely amazing like nothing would get done without her because she just she's always pushing the ball forward and then I remember our first couple of volunteers the day that we oriented him and told him about our organization he went out and contacted like 14 legislators and you know our volunteers are really the reason everything gets done and all of our success everything that we do we attribute to them like they're absolutely amazing yeah, and I think this, I've said this a couple of times now, but we're completely 16, 17 year old. I think we have one 18 year old. Um, but besides that, this is completely 16, 17 year olds. Um, and, and, you know, positive support from people uh, can look like a lot of things. Following us on Instagram, our Instagram, like Chris uh, just said, is, is absolutely amazing <laughs> um, because our social media correspondent um, is just fabulous. Um, we get a lot of updates and reminders there. Um, we also have an email list. If you go to our website, vote16mi.com, you can find a lot of our sources, a lot of our uh, information um, about events and, and sign up for email updates, stuff like that. 
um, you can always volunteer with us. You know, some volunteers do like an hour a week, some volunteer to do, you know, 10 hours a week. Um, it's all up to that. Um, but yeah, the number one thing I think um, that would really help us out is just talking about lowering the voting age to 16 in local elections. Because in Michigan, although we had that bill in 2018, on the minds of most people, this isn't a core and main issue. And bringing it into the public sphere of debate and bringing it into your legislator's office uh, and just talking about it with family members, community members, uh, community leaders, um, and just your friends, that is an important step um, to, to moving this forward. Because when we have those conversations, we look at this critically, um, it's, it's very you know, plain to see that this is a good idea for the health of our democracy. Um, and so just talking about it uh, is great. And also, you know, follow us on Instagram, vote16mi.com, uh, and our website is vote16mi.com. Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure to post your website and uh, social media <laughs> handle in the description for the episode. Um, and then I'm, I'm sure I'll be tagging your organization in my uh, announcement post on social media for this, this episode. Um, but that's, that's good to hear that, that people have been getting involved. Um, I, I agree. I think having more conversations um, is, is really important because I think people across the political spectrum have this, this perception and um, it's not necessarily based in fact uh, that 16-year-olds that are somehow unprepared, you know, are too young to vote. Um, some, a lot of what we've talked about today and because it's just always been that way for a lot of people, um, I think people tend to just, oh, dismiss it. Kind of like, like you both kind of described a little bit, feeling that way a little bit at the beginning of like, oh, this is crazy, but like, maybe. Um, and I think that that tendency is, it, 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 it is a big change. And I think that it seems like something that can't be done or shouldn't be done. But a lot of people get that in, initial reaction without necessarily understanding and thinking it through on a deeper level. Um, I've had conversations already with people in my family who are very forward thinking and uh, have still had to kind of beat back some of the, the arguments and, and use some of the, the things that I know you have uh, shared, with, shared with me and, and so forth. Um, so I, I'm hoping that this podcast will help engage the conversation for more people. I do have listeners from out of state as well. So you know, if, if they're interested, uh, I'm sure they can look at uh, Vote 16 USA and try and get connected if there's already an organization in your state. Um, if you're not 16 or 17, I, th I think your support is still uh, needed in, in having these conversations and lobbying and talking, talking through it. So I'm behind you, you 100%. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, um, I know we've already uh, covered pretty much everything that we had, had talked about here. Were there any additional things that you wanted people to know or any additional points you wanted to mention um, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think quite briefly, uh, I wanna go over where this has been implemented already. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, there are uh, other countries where 16 year olds can, I think it's the list of is like 20, 25 or 30 countries where 16 year olds can already vote in democracies. Um, but in the US even, there are, I think five or six cities uh, where um, 16 and 17 year olds can vote. And I just wanted to highlight one of those uh, in Tacoma Park, which is in Maryland. Um, 
they changed the voting age uh, a while ago. I think it's the first city in the U.S. to do so. Um, but the the main takeaway, and they've done studies in Tacoma Park, um, and the main takeaway was that in the elections since the changes, both uh, Tacoma Park and its neighbor Hyattsville, which also lowered the voting age um, to 16, um, the 16, 17 year olds there uh, who were registered to vote turned out at much higher rates than overall voters in the general population. Um, the overall number of 16 and 17 year olds who, who uh, registered uh, and voted was I think almost double or triple what the general population um, of Hyattsville and Tacoma Park was. Um, and so a lot of research has been done there. It's all on our website as well as Vote 16 USA's website. But it really highlights what we're trying to achieve here and what our uh, vision for this entire organization is, right? 16 year olds get the right to vote uh, in local elections that directly affect them. They go through one high school, uh, they go through one election while still in high school and they get educated, take that civics knowledge and then apply it. Uh, and then right from there, they build that habit for life of making informed, uh, sensible voting decisions. Uh, and they keep that habit of voting with them for the rest of their lives. And you know, it makes a healthier democracy by increasing participation um, and just really giving a strength uh, to our democracy that is in, in dire need of it um, in terms of local elections. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when, when you look at, at voter turnout, it's usually lowest among young people. And so if you're able to get uh, a boost behind that and get people started and engaged early, um, I think it can have a tremendous impact um, in getting people more informed and engaged. So thank you for sharing those. All right, uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Uh, I really appreciate all of your insight and uh, hopefully we'll reach a lot of people with this podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. These kind of conversations are exactly what we need. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right, well, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you learned something new and took something that you can apply and discuss with people that you encounter, your family, your friends, etc. I think discussing voting at age 16 is really important. I think it's important in, within the state of Michigan, but also nationally, when you think about the impacts and the potential increase in involvement I think it's a shame how low our voter turnout is in the U.S. And I think if there's any way that we can engage more young people and train more people to be civically engaged and involved, that is the route that we should go. Even if you buy in, if you understand this, if you agree with this, talk to somebody, talk to additional people who may not be on board yet and help them to just understand this is a nonpartisan issue. This is about getting more people involved. And unfortunately, given that the Republican Party as of late has decided that voter suppression is the best way for them to succeed, I think that the best thing that we can do collectively is to, to, to fight back against that by getting as many people engaged and informed and involved as we possibly can. That is the only way that we will win. I think when you when you talk about democracy, when you talk about the, the majority rule, when you talk about people being involved and having a say and being civically engaged, 
the best thing that we can do is maximize the part of our population that gets to have their voices heard and set them up for success for the duration of their life. I think that having a minimization of the people that are involved and creating barriers to prevent people from voting is the number one way that democracy can crumble. And here we are, it's 2021, it's time for us to stand up and advocate for the things that we believe in, to get more people involved, to allow more people to have their voice heard. With that, I will mention that if you have any questions or topics you would like covered, you can email me at mittenpolitics at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram at mitten underscore politics. I also have a Facebook page at Mitten Politics, no spaces or underscores. So please follow and like those pages. Please share this podcast with somebody you know who might enjoy the information that's being shared here. I have a lot of, of fun topics to come. And with that, I will leave it there and we will see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Thank you.